0: Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Liz. It has been a while. I was away in Montreal last week. As many of you know, I was so excited to go scout up here like Dubois' future home for him because I am a selfless Jets fan like that. But I am back quickly today before Brady takes over again for the rest of the week while I go back to Montreal and do some further scouting for our boy Um, but I'm back today had to catch this game a little bit of a stinker in a couple different areas but I am super happy to be here because I am joined by the one and only Rachel Dory today so I am super fired up to do this post-game show with Rachel so Rachel how are you
0: doing today I'm doing well I'm super fired up we like have been planning this for over a month and now it actually gets to happen I'm so excited
1: yes me too Rachel and I are TikTok buds we uh, are both you know well, as you can probably visually tell, we are both, you know, women um, that present as women on social media and therefore receive comments <laughs> that are directed towards women quite often. So, so we've been able to bond over a little bit and whatnot. Um, Rachel, is your username Puck Bucks on Twitter? That's kind of the the whole realm that you've gotten into is a little bit more of that on the salary cap end of things on Twitter hey? or pardon me, TikTok. And that's kind of what you talk about on there. Hey,
0: Yeah, that's I'm Puck Bucks on TikTok. And so funny i was actually like scrolling through the comments as i was like preparing to come on and like i had somebody trying to explain the arizona cap situation to me on my tiktok about the arizona cap situation
1: (laughs) so rachel have you ever heard of a cap floor before like (laughs) <laughs> no uh it's quite quite the place i uh recently i i posted one the other day do you guys know that that trend that's going around it's like the um the, the bo burnham video like when you put out that movie a while ago so many audios are trending. to get another one's back where people are just um they're bringing up the the everyone's a feminist until there's a spider around or whatever it's called and i did <laughs> one talking about just like stats or whatever and my entire comment section is just like dudes like fighting me about plus minus and i was like what are we doing
0: here? <laughs> First of all, you're fighting about plus-minus. That kind of tells me all I need to know. Like, no, right yeah. there. That's, that's like, not to be gatekeeping or anything, but if if you're going to come at us in the comments and tell us we don't know anything about hockey, plus-minus is probably not the stat to use to make your point. Um, But it's honestly wild. Like, between you, me, and Annie O'Donnell, like, oh, on TikTok, some of the comments we all get, like, somebody asked me out on a date in my comment section. And I was like, what is... Sir, what it was so interesting
1: on? too. <laughs> Rachel texted me about that one, and we were because we had been talking. Like Annie started it, and we were all sort of talking about how like men just kind of like who gave them the audacity. You just wonder where, <laughs> where it came from. And literally in that same breath, some man comments on Rachel. I don't remember exactly what the phrasing was. It was like, "This is a great point. It would be great to discuss over dinner or something like that." <laughs> I was at a loss for words. I was like, you know what? I appreciate the boldness, but um, we uh, we have a good time. International Women's Day coming up on Wednesday. So can't wait to, you know, be part of all that. Actually, though, like on the non-token side of things, um, we're putting together a couple of fun things over here at SCPN. There's a couple of the the ladies here who have spearheaded a couple of really fun things. So we're super fired up. I think you're going to be part of that, eh? I heard that uh, there's some
0: guest speakers who might be showing up to do some content with us. Uh yeah, I have um signed up to be part of the International Women's Day SDPN um programming. I'm I'm super fired up. Um it's gonna be so fun. I, I love that the the platform that Dangle and Adam and Jesse give um all these new voices. And so um to me, I look at that and I'm like, why not be a part of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's awesome because it's like you know, they're like, yeah, this is a great idea, but they're not gonna come out and be like, hey, here's what we should do for International Women's Day. They're like, you go do do what you want. Like it's it's your thing. So it's fantastic. <laughs> and
0: yeah, <laughs> I love it because they're like, we're gonna do stuff for International Women's Day, but we are not gonna tell the women what they need to do. We're gonna let there the women go. do it.
1: <laughs> and that's always the disconnect where all the men are like, Oh, it's International Women's Day. Here's how we're gonna celebrate women. I'm like, that's you're missing the point. But uh yeah. so yeah, lots of good stuff coming up. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about tonight's game. So obviously we just finished a Three to two overtime loss to the San Jose Sharks, um, and yeah, game was in Winnipeg tonight. Uh, they had the Cal Connor giveaway uh, bobblehead giveaway with actual
0: hair on the bobblehead. That's it wasn't kinda
1: even plastic. Kind
0: of weird. Do we? Not what do we thing. think about that?
1: Uh, it's a big no for me. What? Everyone in the chat? What are you guys?
0: What are you guys feeling
1: about that? I I saw some pictures, and I don't <laughs> know about that. It,
0: it's interesting looking for sure. <laughs> my so one of my friends works for the Jets. And, like, I literally texted him, and I was like, why does the Kyle Connor doll look like a Trolls doll? Like, you know, the Trolls thing where it's, like, plastic, but then it has, like, the 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 hair? hair. That's exactly what what it it looks like. like. I saw a tweet.
1: I don't know if it was from Brady or if it was from someone else. but basically, they're like, do you think that they, like, made him sign a contract saying that he wouldn't cut his hair until at least after this bobblehead night? Because I was thinking that. I was like, what if he just up and got a haircut? because the bobblehead like they have those planned for a while like you think about when they they unveiled that stupid Budweiser red light that you know that they ordered when they thought they would make the playoffs last year but then they like shit the van so I'm wondering if it's a similar situation it's like where they're like oh we we need to make sure he doesn't cut his hair because that would have been like kind of embarrassing for them but for those of you who were in the building tonight I guess that was the giveaway and those are fun they do one every year I believe last year All right, The Colt Profetti one I have, I guess, is a moose one. But yeah, they they do one every year, which is a lot of fun. So I think uh, they tried something new. Uh, I'll leave it up to everyone in the chat to decide if it was a hit or a miss. But I think Rachel and I might be on team miss on this one. But uh, (laughs) I'm all about the fun. So good for trying something new. But Rachel, what were your initial thoughts on kind of the just the general game that we saw tonight?
0: Yeah, I thought Winnipeg. I mean, for a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, um, they did not finish the game well um that's usually a tie like you get the tie or the what should be the game winner with like less than 10 minutes left you should be able to button that up and lock it down against a team that is not only like in the basement of the league but now obviously they've traded away their top forward in in Timo Meyer. so it's basically like Eric Carlson and a bunch of merry men um and so for me like that's that's a situation where Winnipeg's like playoff teams you got to lock that down um, we just saw Calgary. I mean, they're in the process of coughing up a 2 nothing lead to Dallas. Like it kind of seems like it's a pattern. Um, I don't know what's going on in the Western Conference this year. It seems, seems like kind of wild. <laughs> I'm kind of glad I'm been removed from the Western Conference. Um, but yeah, like it was I would say it was disappointing. Um, I had come into this game and I was I was kind of expecting um a better performance from Winnipeg. Obviously no Connor Hellebuck tonight and he does deserve a rest. That man has been in god mode for the whole season. Um but for me that's that's a game where defensively um you've got to lock that down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree and especially that that first San Jose goal that you can sort of point out that it's, you know, it doesn't have to be a goal the the poor rebound control from dave riddick is kind of just you know he does the job he's a, he's a backup goaltender like you can't expect best a caliber performances from your backup goaltender ever um you might get them occasionally but it can't be what you ever expect so it is what it is but it's the kind of thing where it's like again if you have those defensive holes a little bit you might have a couple more that trickle in behind them um in the in that capacity so it's too bad um you know that you can look at a particular goal like that and it's like, ah, the goalie should have had that. Cause you always feel bad doing that to a backup. But uh
0: definitely in the defensive deficiencies were where you could see them. <laughs> well, and I thought that Winnipeg had some issues on the on the top pair today. Like, um, like Dylan DeMello, it's it's super obvious that when he doesn't have Morrissey as an outlet to move the puck up the ice, like he really struggles and turns the puck over. Um, I think that the Jets are maybe a little bit over reliant on josh morrissey and of course he's having a norris caliber season but he can't be the only guy that's able to break the puck out like that's you're gonna get yourself in trouble and they did get themselves in trouble tonight um and then like there were a couple things that that really stood out the power play was just awful um and like don't get me wrong i don't like talking about face-offs but it's not that you lost the face-offs it's that the it was the blown coverage on the lost faceoff. It's, if you have good coverage off of a lost faceoff, it doesn't matter who won the draw because absolutely. everybody is in their place. But the blown coverage on the tying goal for San Jose was shocking. No,
1: absolutely. And I think honestly I'm I'm so glad you mentioned that specifically because I'm a huge face-off hater too. And people are like oh they they lost the like when people are like, oh, they lost the game. Oh, yeah, and they were 40% in face-offs. I'm like, ah, like, I don't lose sleep over face-off losses. Like, isolated incidents, I totally understand it. But like you said, it's all about the coverage. Because you'll see goals, like, where a team, you know, a team wins a face-off and they give up the puck immediately and, and the other team scores a goal. And it's like, okay, so they won that stat that you were looking at. Like, I, it doesn't really... You know, move the needle or change the game for me very much so i think that it's you know um it's, it's all about the coverage afterwards on the faceoff and you're 100% right on that where it's just that lack of responsibility to adjust and especially if your team is really low on the faceoff percentages like you should be expecting that you're going to have to cover a guy because you're going to have to be you know playing defense because you're not winning these faceoffs and it just they were not doing that
0: <laughs> no they like the wingers weren't jumping through on the draws they weren't tying up sticks um it just it's like the little details to me that i look for it. And, and that'll tell me, like, are you focused? Are you dialed in? And, like, things like that. I mean, that's just plain old paying attention. Like, that's being alert. And there were a few guys tonight that, that weren't. Um, the one guy who most certainly was alert tonight was James Reimer. Um, he was ridiculous for San Jose tonight. There was a point, I believe, where the slot shots were, like, 12 to 1 or something like that. And Oof. the save that uh, Reimer made on Morgan Barron, oh yeah, was incredible.
1: That was a nice save. Yeah, like it, it, watching, especially the slow mo replay, you could see that wasn't that wasn't an easy position to get to. That was fantastic. And yeah, like obviously Dave Riddick is Dave Riddick, but you know I feel like the Jets get frustrated really easily when they get out gold. And I'm like, hey man, this is what you do to other people quite frequently. So get used to it yeah. and. and Get some more chances because that's all you're going to have to do is you got up to the, up the quantity at that point because it doesn't look like the quality is doing much to phase the goaltender. But uh, yeah, James Reimer was definitely um, noteworthy tonight,
0: 100%. I mean, yeah, like the Jets won in the, in the year, like in the COVID year, they won two playoff series on the, or they won a playoff series and they like lost on, but Connor Hellebuck was the reason that that was even a thing. Like he was just so good, and ultimately, like he gets, I believe he got out goalie by Carey Price, who was also like just absolutely absurd. Yeah, um, no. in that year, that was like the last we ever saw of him. But I mean, the amount of time, like when you have a goaltender, Bruce Boudreaux always said this. He's like, I'm not going to apologize for having a good goaltender, but when that goaltender is not in the net, your structure can't just like completely break down and be non existent. And when you get gifted six or seven power plays, you have to score. You can't expect to win in this league and go bagel for six or seven on the power play against San Jose. Absolutely, like it's, yeah. it's one thing you're do if you're bagel against like the top penalty kill team in the league, who's also a really good team. Okay, we're talking about a team that's like four points out of last place in the league.
1: No, absolutely, and and you think about like the, your their players, like you were saying before. It's Eric Carlson and his merry men for, and <laughs> Eric Carlson is notably not who cares about what he does on on defense because he's so fantastic. Um, outwards that it, it it compensates for everything. So they don't even have defenders like Mark Edward Vlasic. How is that man not retired yet? Like they don't have like it, it's not a they they have like statistically they've I think just on the basic penalty killing percentages and whatnot, like they're like fine. I'm pretty sure like better than uh, like you said, like fourth last in the league type thing. But when you have some of the best offensive sc- shooting threats in your division, like you need to do a better job than, yeah, like you said, 0 for six. And so what were some particular things that you noticed about that power play tonight that you thought were part of the reason why they weren't able to capitalize other than James Reimer? Cause we kind of acknowledge that that's something that was definitely a factor tonight.
0: Yeah, so I think the first thing that stood out to me, and, like, I've seen it on Twitter a bit, but, like, wh- why on God's green earth is Nikolai Ehlers not on your top power play unit? Like, that actually makes zero sense to me. And, to, like, I like Nino Niederreiter. Like, he's a good hockey player. But, like, we're talking about the second best forward on your team not being on your top power play unit. Like, that that seems insane to me. and and i don't know yeah like he creates so much he has such good chemistry with kyle connor um his ability to thread the needle on passes um he's become quite like it's quite the shooter like to me it's wild that you wouldn't have connor on one flank ehlers on the other and morrissey at the top and then you have i don't shifley or dubois wherever you want them (laughs) literally who cares yeah but like to me like that seems crazy. Like you're, even though Connor is your best offensive player, Nikolai Ehlers is the most creative player on the team, and like it would be honestly, it is the equivalent of not having Mitch Marner on the power play in Toronto. Like th- people would straight up revolt and like find where Sheldon Keith lives and like yell at him. Like that's the level of crazy that we're talking about here. And to me, like I look at it and I go, on a night where you're when you when you start going and you're over four switch it up seriously like switch it up you it's not like they to- haven't
1: yeah like you <laughs> know that they have guys who are able to jump on that unit like where there's no harm it's not like you're putting out like a guy who's never played on the power play before and even still it can't be worse than over four over five like try something new i i yeah I, I definitely agree with you and i think the big thing is with at least part of my frustrations with that power play as well. And it was shown tonight for sure um, is that Nikolai Ehlers, as good as he is at all of those things, um, you know, the passing, the shooting and the ability to, to create and whatnot, even just the goddamn puck possession, like they can't break into the zone with anyone else and uh, not being able to break into the zone is a frustrating thing to see for a hockey team, but not being able to break into the zone at five on four is ridiculous. And If that's like such a huge problem and you have a cheat code on your team to do that, wouldn't you want to put one and one together and make two? Like, I don't understand how that's not where they're going. Like, obviously, they're having some issues with their actual puck movement and a couple of things like that. Like, it's not perfect out there and all those different kinds of things. But they're not even getting as many chances as they want to do that because they're lacking the ability to, to come back in as soon as... puck is cleared or as soon as they lose a face-off because you know they were doing lots of that tonight so it's very frustrating that they didn't you know try harder to switch things up and that you know a team like this that wants to consider themselves um a competitor in this division in this wide open conference is unable to capitalize and this has been a recurring theme i think i come on
0: every single game over episode and i complain about this power play like it's, it's getting ridiculous and with the amount of talent that's on that power play like, there's no excuse for it not to be, like, top eight in the league. Like, obviously, Edmonton's power play is Edmonton's power play. Like, that's not even in the same league as anybody else. But, like, when you have the weaponry that, that Winnipeg has available to them, and, and you're in a dogfight for the playoffs, like, load up a unit and tell them, minute and a half, like, you guys are out there. A minute and a half. A- and for me, like, especially when things started to, like, not work tonight, when you were over for 4 0 for 5 like that's the that's the indicator where it's like okay we gotta switch something up because clearly like whatever's going on tonight isn't working and like do I think Ehlers was fantastic tonight no but like he's still the most creative player on that team I did think Nino Niederreiter was really good tonight though like he drew three penalties obviously he scored um I thought he was all over it but like to me I look at this and I'm like You're having trouble creating on the power play. You're having trouble entering the zone on the power play. Those are like the two things Nikolai Eulers is good at. Like that seems like a pretty easy decision to me. It honestly seems like they're just trying to spite him and I don't understand why.
1: No, it honestly feels like (laughs) it at this point. Like I'm I'm seeing a couple odd comments here, there and everywhere about some, you know, sports hernia recovery and things like that. But like if it were to come down to it, I don't think that it really has to i i feel like there's still something we're missing there but i would rather play him at five on four than five on five like he's not yeah. good at that kind of thing and so, some people are equating his low usage with maybe some um recurring symptoms from his injury recovery and stuff like that we know that that
0: injury can be strange to recover from but he's but if said you can play on the second in power play unit you can play on the first power play unit. that like makes zero sense to me I know. I think a lot of people just really like to pander to the powers that be and, and you know, don't give Mm -hmm. themselves enough credit
1: to I think that's one thing that fans sometimes, not that we're we're experts or anything, but I think, you know, if fans notice that something's wrong, like it's okay to not always be like, oh, but the coach knows. Oh, but the GM knows. Like, it's okay to notice things and be like, "Um, this doesn't feel right because if the coach is making the right decision every single time odds are they'd be 82 and 0 and um you know the gm would have equipped them to be 82 and 0 and all those kinds of things these are human beings that make mistakes in their workplace like we do so it's okay to call
0: them on it and be like why aren't you playing your best player in the best situation for him (laughs) if coaches and gms didn't make mistakes we wouldn't have a single bad contract in the nhl oh wait
1: neil Pionk is
0: employed by the one jets so do you need like i will run down the list of abomination contracts in the nhl like these people are not immune, one, to criticism, and two, to errors. And Absolutely. I think it's it's fair to question why Nikolai Ehlers is having the usage that he's having at minimum on special teams. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: no, I, I completely agree with that. So it's very interesting to see, and I think it's definitely an area. Uh, I think at 5-on-5 Five Five tonight, there was, again, graded. I feel like Brady and I do this every time before we start venting on the show. We're like, we must acknowledge these are the San Jose Sharks. Like, we can talk about that a little bit. You know, it's it's not the greatest hockey team in the NHL or anything like that. But I think, like, as far as, like, play control goes up five on five, like, there were a lot of things that I actually didn't mind about the Winnipeg Jets tonight. I think the crispness wasn't there. Like, I think I saw a lot of sloppiness. Like, you know, Blake Wheeler in particular, I was noticing the, the giveaways were here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And things like that, that that are frustrating, but they're fixable, right? It's not like... There are are games every now and then where you'll watch the Jets and all of a sudden they're playing against like a one through one trap defense and they literally never, ever, ever can enter the zone. I'm like, that's an issue. But like tonight it was more those fixable small errors that led to, you know, not sharp enough passes and shots and not being shoot first enough and all those kinds of things. Um, but all that's to say, a lot of that comes up when you're dominating the possession, which they were. And we don't see the Jets dominate the shot share in the possession as often as we'd like. So that part of it was at least encouraging it for sure, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you obviously want to be dominating a team like this. Um, and I, I feel like in, in situations like this where you are clearly the better team, there is a um, there is a tendency to get cute. And you're trying to make the fancy play as opposed to making the simple play. And that's how things kind of go awry. Like there were multiple times tonight where I thought that they were way too cute at the net front and it cost them because it gave James Reimer that extra split second to recover, or it gave that defenseman a a split second to, to, to get a stick in the way. And, and so for me, like, it's a positive that they're creating all these chances because that's a process thing. Absolutely. But at the same time, like do you think that if you get to the playoffs that you are going to have the kind of time to make any of those plays like absolutely not and so for me your process has to then improve because like you talked about the Christmas wasn't there and and so you could see like I'm watching this I can see that the defensemen and the forwards are identifying the passes that should be made but they're not executing them and I've seen them executed before and then I'm sitting there and I'm like also considering the face-offs I'm like is this a lack of concentration is this a lack of being ready to play is it not taking san jose seriously like there's just too many things where i'm like okay the process is clearly there the execution was absolutely dreadful and i think when they go and they look back at the tape they'll say okay like yeah we generated a ton of shots but like did we take that extra second or where do we need to clean up to ensure that we're capitalizing on this stuff that power play needs like a full-blown kind of like investigation Um, but outside of that like I think a lot of that was it just boiled down to concentration because I've seen games this year where the Jets have been flying and it's because those passes are are totally crisp and, and on point and they're hitting guys in stride and when the Jets are doing that like they're a really really good team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the kind of thing, too, when when moving forward and looking at the season and at the end of the season and going into the playoffs, like those are the kinds of things that you mentioned. In my opinion, I think the whole execution piece becomes the most important there than it ever is because process isn't is something that you have the regular season to work on, and those kinds of things. But, uh, and you know, obviously, if that framework's not there, it's difficult, but every team that's made it to that point has a lot of that foundational process kind of built in. It's all about who's able to show up every night. And so I I get frustrated when people talk about the difference in playoff hockey and they're like, oh, guys hit more and stuff like that. Like playoff hockey is different, but I think it's a little bit deeper than that. It's more about the proper execution of all the things that, you know, your team is able to do well. Um, So I think that, you know, seeing a team, like you said, where it's the concentration and the finesse that's not there it's not the end of the world, but it is alarming when it's a pattern and you see where this team wants to go and what they need to do to get better. And that's an area that seems to be missing quite frequently more so than other things. So it's, it's a bit worrisome when you look forward to where they want to go.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, you always want like coaches preach consistency because they don't like unpredictability and nobody does. Um, And with the jets, like it's not like they have some young team that doesn't have experience. Like, Pierre Dubois has played in the playoffs. Shifley, Wheeler, Connor, Ehlers, Morrissey, Pionk, like they've all played in the playoffs. Dave Riddick's played in the playoffs. Like there's no excuse for that. Like they these guys know how to execute, and um, it could just be an off night, but it also could be not taking your opponent seriously. And let's face it, like that happens. And the Jets aren't the only team that that happens to. Um, Ottawa's currently getting their lunch handed to, to them by the Blackhawks. Um, but you see things in the regular season that you just don't see in the playoffs. Like, you will not see spinoramas anywhere near the blue line in the playoffs, you will not see cross ice passes through three sticks in the playoffs. Like, things like that. Those have to go. When you talk about simplifying your game, it's north-south hockey, and instead of all these cross-ice passes, like if you don't have a clear shot lane, put the puck down to the goal line, move it across, um, and come back out and reload. You don't need to force pucks, because that's how you end up with either poor rebounds, in the case of what happened on the overtime winner, where a rebound got kicked out right to a stick and off they go to score. Um... But you also put yourself in a situation where if you aren't taking care of the puck, like you're vulnerable at pretty much every aspect because the teams that are trained, if you look at like the Tampa Bay's of the world, like they're armed to capitalize on those kinds of errors. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that comes
1: I think you're talking about, you know, north-south and the spinoramas. Rob Robert mentions in the chat he says, Rachel, I'm sorry, but you're forgetting that spinoramas happen in the playoffs. The Leafs exist. Um but uh <laughs> Robert, I, um, you, you know what city I live in, right? <laughs> um I think that um for the for the Winnipeg Jets like in particular, I think um one area that I, I've been noticing lately too is that those spin around and whatnot. Josh Josh Morrissey is infamous for those. He he spins a lot and it's okay. I don't mind because usually he's a little bit smarter about it than someone um, whose name rhymes with real Rionk or what I don't know I don't <laughs> what I'm trying to say at this point. But I, I'd like to see the Jets do a little bit more cycling down low as opposed to up top because I think that's an area that um, they they rely a little bit too much on their defenders and there's too much puck movement along the blue line for my liking. For you know like. When you start playing against better teams and all those things, it's a it's easier for them to jump on those loose pucks if they you know catch a pass and all those types of things. But the mistakes are more detrimental when you fumble a puck up top in the blue line than they are when you mess up behind the blue or behind the goal line because that's just another board battle and half the time you win, half the time you don't. But if you mess up that that puck up top like the odds of it either at least coming out of the zone and having to regroup and reset or in a worse situation that causes a turnover and that player has a lane to go down and, and has a breakaway or an on-man rush and stuff like that but I think the Jets they cycle too much up top and I think um cycling more and dumping more pucks like
0: I'm not dumping more pucks sorry I, I'm a big dumping that's the puck the puck hater, puck down but, low like if you yeah, if you look exactly. at if you look at how Winnipeg's roster is built like they're one of the bigger teams like Pierre purely Dubois Huge. Blake Wheeler. So true. Huge. Mark Schleifle. Massive. Kyle Connor's pretty big, too. But then, like, even on their, like, lower lines, like, Kevin Stenland's big. Like, Mm -hmm. you have size. That team is built to be a cycle team. They're not built to be a run and gun offense team. They don't have 72 Nikolai Ehlers, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, some teams are built for that run and gun winnipeg not only is built for that cycle game but that building that they play in the rise off of the energy created by physicality and so it's you not only can continue to possess the puck and wear the team down because if you get hit by someone who weighs 20 or 30 pounds more than you like that is going to weigh on you all game like if it continues to happen mm. and you're just going to ignite the crowd by doing that you're going to get them in it there were a few shifts where the jets absolutely dominated the sharks in their own end and it was because they were cycling down low and you heard the crowd getting into it and it led to the Nino Nino rider goal like a minute later because the crowd had that like electric feel about them and Winnipeg had been dominating that is the type of thing that's the type of hockey in the offensive zone that the Jets need to play to be successful. That's the type of hockey that Shifley and Wheeler and Dubois are really good at. And then you get the puck to a guy like Connor or Ehlers in a spot where they can score and and you've got something there. But instead, like talking about these guys who are not the most fantastic skaters the league, like they're average, they're they're fine, but you're not out skating the league's best skaters. Like you're not going to play run and gun successfully with Edmonton. And, and no. so you need to lean into what your strengths are. And I, I think Winnipeg got away from that a little bit because we saw when they did do it, they were super successful tonight.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, if even if you think of things as simple as highlight reels, right, and you look at someone like Mark Shifley, Mark Shifley's highlight reels are all him, you know, sprinting up the ice, jumping at the top of the circle and snapping a one-timer home. That's the prettiest shot you've ever seen. It's not him dipsy doodling and making a really awful pass behind his back to Blake Wheeler that he fans on. Like that's not like th- that that cutesy hockey is not and it works for some teams. Like I'm not a I'm not a hater of cutesy hockey. I think, you know, fine passing. Is really important and a lot of but you teams have to do really what suits you. On it. But yeah, like you're saying, it you have to do what suits you. And I think you described a lot of those players really well. And you know, like looking just down the middle, straight up, like if you run any combination of your centers of Mark Scheifele, Pierre like Dubois, Adam Lowry, and Kevin Stenlin, like you don't need me to tell you what kind of game you should be playing with with guys like that and wingers that are able to suit their their styles of play and whatnot. So, and I think it is the the type of play that is better suited for something like playoff hockey, right? And I I will sit here and I will you know, sit on my hands and try not to scream when guys are like, oh, th- these players need to hit more because it's, you know, and you don't want them to hit more because that means they're chasing the game. We can get into all those different kinds of things, but, but the the laying of the body in the right situation is obviously always needed. And when you have 220 pound players, like it's, it's, it's a different game than when you have, you know, the 180 pound guys, you know, flying in and giving a little bit of a
0: love tap here and there. Yeah. Like I think, there's a difference between obviously you don't just want to be like obliterating guys and hitting them. But when I talk about physicality, like if you're purely Dubois and you're enormous, like if you just put your stick out like that and and you've got a defender on your back and they're consistently bumping into you and, and and trying to get the puck off of you, that's physicality that is using your body physically to protect the puck. And that is absolutely like as somebody who used to have to defend against that, like that's a nightmare to defend against. And so when you're, when you have a player that's in your back pocket and you're using your size and strength to your advantage on the cycle down low, that tires guys that we see so many goals in the playoffs created because there's battles down low, guys are leaning on them, they get stuck out there, somebody gets a change in, there's a fresh player, and then we've got a goal not too long after that. And it's because of that physicality and it doesn't even, mean there was a single hit laid. it was just that you're leaning on each other and you're like think about if you're trying to push a 200 pound weight that also is trying to push against you like you're going to get tired pretty quickly and so uh it's things like that where i think if if the jets leaned into that style of hockey they'd probably have a little bit more success especially as we approach the april time frame
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have a couple of questions that I'm seeing people are talking about a couple of things in the chat. Before we do that, I want to share a quick word from our buddies over at Sports Interaction. So if you want to bet, then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond and March Madness is on deck bet pregame live and play or on one of our many prop bets sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out head to sportsinteraction.comslash STPN slash or in Ontario download the app now. Um, and if you're 19 plus and please play responsibly. And if you find that you're having any kind of issue with sports betting, please seek help with the available resources. So um, a couple of people in the chat are talking a little bit about Morgan Barron. Um, Nick from Topline Media earlier um, gave a shout out. He's like, "Oh my gosh, fantastic guest list!" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, I know. Thank you very much." Um, but Hi he Nick. wants to know if you have any <laughs> thoughts on on Morgan Barron um, and if you know what kind of ceiling you see for that player because Julian mentions that he thinks that uh, that player is able to bring some of that physicality and speed because he he is a faster guy and when he he really likes to to join in those puck battles because he's on typically a, more of a checking type of line and he brings a little bit of that speed and there's probably some untapped potential in that particular physical style of play as well uh, any thoughts on
0: that particular player and what you see him being a fit with the Jets as yeah I actually really like Morgan Barron um I thought that was a nice tidy little acquisition by the Jets um and and that analysis of him is is pretty spot on uh is Morgan Barron going to be a top six scorer no absolutely not but is Morgan Barron capable of being a two-way player who uses his speed effectively um, to check uh, to be a really effective penalty killer, which we saw tonight. He almost scored, if not for that save, by James Reimer. Um, and is he somebody who, when he's playing on the third line, can use that speed to generate offense? And I think he can. He's not going to be a guy that outmuscles you you um, physically, but he's he can be a guy that, that beats you to pucks. Um, he could be a guy that gets his stick in the lane he's a super smart player and so when you have that you have all of the makings of a really good checking sort of like probably like three three line player like he, he's playing on the third line um i don't think i i don't think anything above that um would be good for him i think he'd probably get exposed um but is an excellent depth player and his details are so strong. Like he wasn't a guy that was missing passes tonight. He's pretty crisp. He's pretty on the ball. He finishes his checks, even though, like I said, he's smaller than, than your average guy. And um, I really like what he brings to the jets. I think he brings kind of that. He brings like a very similar to Mason Appleton. Actually, he brings this like aura of like tenacity. And like, we talk about uh, like in hockey circles, we talk about being, being, terrible to play against and i'm not talking like tom wilson like take your head off terrible to play against i'm talking about like annoying mm-hmm. and there are players in the league that are super annoying to play against mason appleton is one i think morgan baron has the potential to to be that kind of mold where he is also super super annoying noel achari is another one um josh anderson is one he's obviously like a little bit bigger um nobody Enjoys playing against anybody on the Bruins fourth line, like Tyler Bertuzzi, Nocek, like any of those guys, and I think Morgan Barron can kind of be that role where he's just such a pain in the butt to play against, similar to Adam Lowry, but but smaller.
1: I think he's actually taller than Adam Lowry. He might he's he's definitely skinnier. He's, he's a that's he's what I mean. Like boy, he's not yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's a little bit of a twig out there, but he's got some height to him. So uh there's always a little bit of that tonight. So I think that's that's the kind of player that you want that's the kind of player you'd like to play with someone like Adam Lowry especially if you're kind of you know convinced on having Adam Lowry as your third line center and leaving Stenland at number four and kind of rolling with something like that I know the Jets have been doing a lot of line blending lately and stuff but yeah I think there's there's some potential there I some people in the chatter are not very convinced that the Winnipeg Jets are you know looking too sharp for the playoffs and some um Mr. We got R Fontaine in the chat here says Jets didn't do enough at the deadline to go far in the playoffs. And that's a pretty general consensus. So I think, you know, we touched on a couple of things that I really wanted to talk about in this game. Obviously, the power play um, was the biggest one. And then just a little bit of that maybe more intangible stuff and whatnot. So before we wrap up, I kind of want to bring up um, what Fonten says in here in the chat about the the trade deadline, obviously playing the San Jose Sharks tonight. We know that their notable trade ship um, did not go our way. He went to the New Jersey Devils to form a little bit of a Swiss connection over there and all the best to him. I think Tuma Meyer is a fantastic hockey player and I'm excited to see um, how he does in New Jersey. I'm excited about that team. They're tons of fun. And not that I ever really thought that he was going to come to Winnipeg, but, you know, I was hoping that if Chevy were to lose out on those sweepstakes that he'd bring in a couple more players. Obviously, uh, Nino Nidariter, um, that's scored that awesome, fun goal tonight, and he's looked good in the couple games that he's played with the Jets. And uh, Nemesnikov, I, um, we haven't talked about him at all, but I he was sneaky good tonight. I thought, I th- I thought he looked pretty yep. stable down there, which was nice. Um, that's always what you want, but uh, I don't think they did enough to move the needle in any capacity, um, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that.
0: Yeah, like I I like the Nita Ryder acquisition to not really have to give up much for him. I thought that that was pretty smart. I never thought that anybody outside of New Jersey was going to get uh, T.R. Some of us wanted to
1: dream, though, okay? (laughs) Yeah,
0: like I saw people like opining that he might end up um, in Toronto or Edmonton. I'm like, stop that, not happening. That's Um, just, yeah, noise. (laughs) Yeah, it's like pipe pipe dream, right? So I think, um, yeah, he pivoted. He got. Nino need a writer, but I think he he there there was more um to be done. I think um potentially, like I th- I think they probably should have looked a little bit harder at Jonathan Taves. Um I think looking at a player like Andreas Athanasiu in Chicago as well, that's that's a guy that's like really speedy that could bring um some pizzazz and, and some scoring prowess to that third line. Um I I just there were it's tough to say because the East is obviously like just this ridiculous arms race but like even going after a player like Dadnoff I'm not really sure what his no trade list has I'm assuming Winnipeg was probably on it. Woo. Um yeah, I mean it is what it is but like I I do think that that there were moves to be made. Um like if you look at it like could you have gotten Brock Besser, right? Or a Connor Garland. Um that certainly could have helped uh with some scoring. I think that um, Winnipeg's kind of in a situation them Dallas and Edmonton it's a wide open west um, if Colorado gets healthy that's going to be a problem for everybody um, but Winnipeg didn't really put themselves in a position to belong in that conversation with Dallas and Colorado um, I think Edmonton getting at home was really good I am absolutely not convinced of their goaltending which is why I have them in Winnipeg together because I'm I'm convinced of Winnipeg's goaltending, to say the very least. Um, as you should,
1: as you should. Yeah, <laughs> and so I
0: think I think that th- like neither team added enough to their to their weaknesses um, to kind of uh, augment what they had, and and Winnipeg obviously needs some scoring, and and they just didn't get enough of that. I I did like the Niederreiter acquisition, but like man, when you're without Perfetti, like who do you have? Right. Other than other than Connor and Ehlers like Blake Wheeler hasn't been good enough this year. Um and so for me, yeah, they didn't they didn't do enough.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think the the things that drive me the craziest is, you know, hearing all these other GMs and their post game pressers and you know, Chuck Fletcher was literally begging people to take James Van Riemsdyk. and that was a player that I wanted for the Jets and but the fact that yeah Chuck Fletcher was talking I think he wanted like a third or something so even if you were to jack up that price a little bit for even more salary retention to make it work or do a little bit of Arizona or Minnesota with with throwing in some middle guys if the cap is the issue there or something bring in a player because Julian says Chevy held on to futures for a retool in the near future this team is out of the stretch for a retool they can't retool anymore that that's it for them like they're that's a bad word don't use that word
0: don't use that word because like retool like never works (laughs) like i need every winnipeg fan to just like turn their head and look west how's that retool in vancouver going yeah right uh... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. teams who try and retool end up like cratering themselves um -hmm. and and it's just like not it, it's silly like san jose tried to retool and that's how they ended up in the situation they are now where they had to trade away meyer arizona tried to retool 77 different times and that's how they've ended up with jacob Chicker. now they're finally rebuilding and like circumventing the cap while they're at it but like retooling is bad and dumb and doesn't work unless you win a lottery and winnipeg is not bad enough to win a lottery so like you're not going to have a situation that you had with like the New York Rangers where the rebuild took like one year. Like that's just it's just not realistic to expect. And the other thing is is when you're retooling, you need to get guys on cheap contracts in free agency and I mean, we can just call it what it is. Like Winnipeg is not the destination that like Tampa or Florida is. Um and so you're you're not going to get guys on cheap contracts like that. And and so when you're in Winnipeg, like you have a window and when that window closes, um you need to rebuild. And yeah, there are pieces in place to do that, but you have to capitalize when your window's open. Like that's just, that's how it is, especially this year in a wide open West. I was kind of disappointed to see that Winnipeg didn't do enough.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the kind of thing where, you know, people are like, oh, we didn't want to give up all these assets and this, that, whatever. But I, my, my argument to that is always, it's it's almost like a give and take where you weren't willing to give up your twenty 2020- twenty. For first round pick you weren't willing to give up Chaz lucius well guess what by not doing that you were willing to give up mark shifley because now he's not going to be on your team when you actually need him because you're not going to be good enough to win a stanley cup well he's still here because you have him for this year and next and your team is not gonna win a stanley cup uh, so it's it's frustrating um the the half measures that we've seen from this team, you know, year in, year out have been have been frustrating. And I think this deadline is just another version of that where, you know, you sold off a couple of assets that don't, you know, I, I won't lose sleep at night over a second round pick or a third round or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, ended up costing, but uh, I will lose sleep over never seeing my hockey team win a Stanley Cup. That is what I will lose sleep over. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think there's a few people that work for SDPN that lose sleep over their respective teams not winning things. Um you will not be the only one and you're certainly not the only nope. city that uh, nope. that loses sleep over that. Um but yeah, like I think Winnipeg um probably could have done a little bit better there. Um augment that forward group. Uh obviously Logan Stanley wants out now. <laughs> um I mean that is what it is like i think you probably should have capitalized on his value while you had him like over the summer no um, cuz now it's cratered um mm-hmm. yeah now, like, i could see
1: his true colors
0: you could have even had a situation where like you traded logan stanley for nils Hoaglander. Oh. and i love nils Hoaglander. like he is i think he'd be fantastic in in a in a third line role um for winnipeg but Uh, That didn't come to fruition, even though I think that trade would have obviously helped both teams. Um, But it's just, like, things like that. Like, I'm not saying you have to go and acquire a superstar, but to not do any work other than, you know, need a writer um, is disappointing if I were a Jets fan.
1: Absolutely. I... I was literally every night, go to bed, thank you for water, thank you for food, and please trade Logan Stanley for Yessi Pooley RV. Like, it was very much like a- That too. Dude. Yep. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, I wouldn't have done anything for it. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, it, it's the kind of thing that it, it's done now, so we can, you know, we can bitch and moan, all those different kinds of things, but now you got to, you know, look at what you got and work with it. Yeah. Um, But uh, it'll be interesting to see what they're what they're able to do. Cole Perfetti likely won't be back until the end of the season. And, um, you know, um, our front end in the chat is pretty set on Blake Wheeler being a fourth line guy now who is not supposed to be on the power play anymore. And I agree with certain facets of that for sure. I think that there are certain players in this team who have maxed out in their utilization in, in top pairing your top line roles. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the team progresses uh, from here on out. They got their guys now, so hopefully Nomestikov and Nita Ryder can continue to you know, look pretty good for, for what they required for and for what their roles are. Hopefully the team is able to, to push forward. They, they play again on Wednesday, I believe against Minnesota wild. So, uh, Brady will be joining you for that game and we'll see if they're able to continue. Um, before we sign off Rachel, any last words in the Winnipeg jets, anything that you want to plug in particular with some of the projects and whatnot that you got going
0: on right now? Um, no, it's just like super fun to, uh, to be a part of this. I, I love it. Um, I think the Jets have like one of the best playoff atmospheres so I really hope they get in just cuz I think that rink is wild in the playoffs and I really want that. Um yeah, you can check me out on the Hockey News and Graph podcast and on TikTok at Puck Bucks but please don't ask me out on a date cuz I think that's <laughs> kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so Jets playoffs, you you're going to you're
1: going to come to town is that what I'm hearing? Um do I seem like the type of person that's going to be traveling to Winnipeg in the wintertime? I don't think there's anyone that seems like the kind of person who'd be traveling to Winnipeg in the wintertime. So I take that back.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if my friend who works for the Jets hooks me up with tickets and like I might have to make an appearance. Um, But yeah, like I I would love to attend a playoff game in Winnipeg just because I think that rink is one of the one of the best places to attend a game. It's Pretty special. So, yeah,
1: definitely looking forward to that. Should they make it? Because uh, obviously the the playoff picture has changed drastically from where they were at three months ago to two months ago to now. Uh, th- things are changing quickly. So hopefully the Jets are able to figure it out. And yeah, so thank you Rachel for joining me tonight obviously it was a ton of fun Um, obviously uh, always a good time to have guests on the show it's great to have some people come in and share their insights uh, on hockey in general and also share some stuff on the Jets so it was a lot of fun so Rachel thank you so much those of you who are watching live make sure that you like the stream and hit subscribe before you head out we always thank you for joining in and sharing your thoughts in the chat Um, and if you're listening live or on the recorded version sometime tomorrow uh, hopefully you didn't PVR this game and get excited when <laughs> uh, the Jets went up by the 2-1 there because you, you're not going to like the way it ended. So thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.
0: Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.